Hello everyone, thank you for joining me through the Blackthorn Arch, a podcast all about folk tales, fairy stories, and ghostly encounters in the UK. My name is Hearth, spelt H-E-A-R-T-H, and today is a slightly different episode for me. Today we're going to be sitting down and talking about a whole range of smaller topics, all surrounding the eclipse, empathy, and little magical topics that I really want to touch on. It might not be for everyone, but I'm hoping that my consistent witchcraft viewers will really enjoy this episode. So I've been wanting to do a few episodes that are a little bit more sit down and chat, mainly because a lot of my content is very heavily scripted, And also, I feel like these smaller topics get pushed to the wayside because they aren't big enough to make a 30-minute long video or even a 20-minute podcast episode, so instead I don't talk about them. But with the most recent eclipse and with the small magical things that have been happening in my life, I felt like it was about time that I find a place to put all of these little topics and I'm thinking maybe the podcast is the place for them all to go. Now, as many of you will likely know, it has been eclipse season. Now, I am filming this on the 17th of May, and the eclipse was just a few nights ago, and I missed it. Of course I did. I missed it. It wasn't out of my own laziness or my own forgetfulness, no. Instead, as usual, it was chucking it down here when it was eclipse time, and I stayed up till 4.30 in the morning, and I still couldn't see anything. Now, for those of you who are watching internationally and who maybe don't know me that well, I am from England and here it rains a lot. And I can't remember a lunar eclipse where it wasn't raining. (laughs) So this past lunar eclipse, it was raining. The lunar eclipse before in 2019, it was also, you guessed it, raining. So I don't have that much good fortune when it comes to seeing lunar eclipses and this was no different. I stayed up so late to see if I could catch it, because I'm lucky that if I look out of my living room window at a certain time at night, usually between like 1am and 3am, I can see the moon in full force. She is right there outside my window. And I was so excited about seeing the eclipse, and it just didn't happen. So I'm very much hoping that some of you watching or listening will have managed to catch the eclipse because I was not so lucky. I did watch a little bit of the NASA live stream, but I'll be honest, I was so tired that by the time it started to get good, I was like falling asleep on the sofa. So I ended up just going to bed. So I hope that everyone who managed to see the eclipse had a really nice time. Some people had parties. I follow a lot of people on Instagram within the witchcraft community who had whole outdoor rituals and ceremonies and it looked absolutely amazing. I'm a little envious of everyone who managed to do that because it was full-on torrential rain, but I didn't actually end up doing a single working for the eclipse. Now, I was planning on doing a few finishing up, tying loose ends during the full moon. What I mean by that is I often, especially on full moons, will bring a close to workings that I am no longer in need of anymore. So I won't often do workings like ritual spell work on the full moon. I will instead finish them off. And this is just my style of working. A lot of people will primarily focus on full moon energy. For me, I like working with the waxing and the waning, and then I complete my rituals and my spell work during the full moon and the new moon, depending on what it is that I'm after. So for instance, if I'm doing a banishing working, I might do that working during the waning phase of the moon, where energy is depleting, where we are sending stuff out. It is the outgoing tide of energy. That's how I see it, especially as an ex sea witch. I often find that the waning phase is the time
tide being drawn out again and the waxing is the tide coming back in again. So when I want to get rid of something, I will do the working during the waning phase and then I will get rid of any remaining items during the new moon. That means I will burn petitions, I will finish off any of my workings that I need to, I will dispose of items, I will do a cleanse, I will essentially do the last push to get that energy and that situation out of my life or out of someone else's life. And then during the full moon, I will typically do positive workings to attract things in during the waxing phase. And then during the full moon, I will finish them off and bring them to completion. So I have a few petitions and a few bit of spell papers that I really need to dispose of because the working is finished. I want to close the book on it but it was eclipse season. And for any of you who haven't experienced an eclipse magically before, it's essentially a randomizer for energy. Now, some people find it works really well to do workings during the eclipse season, and it can be really good for quite chaotic workings. I find that the eclipse energy can be absolutely wonderful, but if you are finishing off workings that you've had building and manifesting for weeks and weeks and weeks, to then finish them off during the eclipse season is a little bit of a gamble in my experience. Now, of course, everyone is going to experience these energies slightly differently. But for me personally, in my experience, I find the eclipse to be like putting your working into a randomizer. You can never entirely be sure what you're going to get. Now, usually you'll get what you are after, but maybe not in the way you were hoping or the way that you were expecting. So for instance, if you've been working towards getting a job at a specific company, you might be really, really pushing to get this job. You might have all the qualifications and everything, but you might find that if you finish that working during eclipse season, you'll get that job. It'll be easy, you will get it, but then the company will go bust in two weeks or you'll get the job in a position that you really, really hate, or you'll get the job and you end up working with someone that you've had the misfortune of knowing and you really don't like them and now you're stuck working together for your entire career at this company. So I often find that eclipse season is a little bit risky to be doing especially very specific workings because randomizing is definitely a danger during this time. Now, this isn't me trying to scare you off from doing workings during eclipses. They can be phenomenally powerful for specific types of energy. So I really like working chaotic forms of magic during the eclipse season. And if I really want to rejig my life, if I want to shake everything up, then I will primarily focus on doing workings during an eclipse season if I get the chance, because it really has that positive chaotic energy for me. Just bear in mind that things might not work out exactly how you had planned. So just make sure that you have backups and then backups of backups just in case something does go a little bit pear-shaped. So I hope that everyone who did workings during the eclipse is going to see the results that they want. Just be prepared that they might not, because it's kind of chaotic. But then to be fair, a lot of things are right now. I don't know if it's just me, and I'm pretty certain that it isn't just me, but I've spoken to quite a few people who say that everything is a little up in the air at the minute. Everything is unsettled. And I'm definitely feeling that things are shifting, things are changing, whether that is a seasonal thing or an energetic thing, I'm not quite sure. But I'm definitely experiencing and seeing things in slightly different ways. And also, I find that the time between Beltane and Letha to be particularly active spirit-wise, which very much leads me onto my next little topic 
bunch. I'm honestly not really sure what to call these micro topics, mini topics. I'm not quite sure. Let me know what you would prefer. But I'm definitely finding more and more that I am getting strange spirit encounters time and time again. My house is fairly well protected. I will keep personal protections on myself. I also have home protections scattered around my house. I have wards, I have shields. I like to keep my space fairly insulated from external interactions, just so that I can have a nice, safe, calm environment. But I have noticed that recently, I have been getting a lot of spirit encounters in quite unusual ways. And I can't tell entirely what's causing this. So all of you listening or watching will have to let me know if you've experienced something similar between Beltane and Letha, because it is getting a little bit strange over here. Spirits are allowed to pass into my space as long as they come with some kind of warning message or they are there peacefully. I don't typically allow anything into my space that is negative or aggressive. So all of the spirit encounters that I've had recently have been for a reason. I just can't quite figure out what that is yet. I have had whispering. I usually don't have whispering in my house. None of the present spirits, or should I say the consistent spirits, have a whispery tendency. You'll often find that some spirits will prefer to interact in certain ways, and none of the spirits that are in permanent residence in my home have a whispery tendency. So there's definitely someone around with a bit of a whispery nature, and I cannot for the life of me work out what it is that they're saying. It's like overhearing a conversation that's happening at the other end of the hall, I'm pretty certain that they aren't actually talking to me. I'm pretty certain they're just talking either to themselves or to another spirit, and it just happens that I'm overhearing it, but it's very strange. For a while I did wonder if it was one of my neighbors or someone outside, but no, it's definitely coming from inside the house, and I can't entirely figure out where it's coming from. I know that some of you who watch my main channel, who watch my standard witchcraft content will likely have experienced this, and maybe this might be striking a chord with some of you who maybe haven't thought about spirit activity very deeply before, but I definitely get phantom noises in places where there shouldn't be noises. And that's because I live in a fairly old house. My house was built in the early to mid 1800s. And because of that, rooms were obviously different. The layout was different. You know, we didn't have indoor toilets in these houses originally. It would have been an outside toilet. And so the house layout has very much been rejigged over the years. And so you do definitely find that you will be experiencing spirit encounters in places where maybe you wouldn't expect today. But we have to remember that the spirits are going to remember it as it was, and they're likely going to continue using the property as it was when they remember it versus the way it is now. So I've had the whispery voices. I've had lots of small shadows appearing. This is something that I have not had in this house before. I have experienced it in other places, primarily when I was living in Wales. There were a lot of very small shadows, small spirits, and I'm suddenly experiencing that a lot now. And then the biggest thing that I had happen, which did unsettle me, and actually, if you know me and you've been here for a while, you will know that not that many things unsettle me like this. But I was sitting and I was reading, just minding my own business, reading a book, and suddenly there's tapping coming down my kitchen. 
Now, my kitchen is a classic English galley kitchen. It's what you find in the majority of houses in this country. So it's very long and it's very narrow. And there was tapping that would go from the back of my kitchen all the way up to the door that was right next to me. And it was getting louder and louder and louder. Now, for a minute, I did think maybe this is just the heating. I think we all do it, don't we? Like, especially when we're brought up in this anti-supernatural world where we have to believe that everything has a physical reason. We, I think most of us anyway, will have this tendency to try to think of a physical cause. So whether that is the heating is just turned on or whether it is something outside, we'll often automatically jump to that. And that's exactly what I did. I was sitting there and I'm going, what is that noise? It's got to be the heating. Even though I've lived here for years, have never heard anything like it before. I was like, it's got to be the heating. (laughs) That's what it's got to be. It was very distinctive, almost as though something was knocking on different cabinets as it moved along my kitchen. So it wasn't one set noise. And I was sitting and I was reading and I put the book down for a minute and I listened as it gets closer and closer and closer to the door. And as it's getting closer, it's getting considerably louder. And then I just hear something consistently banging on my fridge door. Now fridges do make noise and I was very aware of the fact that they can tick and they can click and all that. I've had this fridge for several years now. It has never made this noise. So I'm sitting there going, don't interact with it. Don't interact with it because my general rule of thumb is if something really wants to get hold of me, it will manage to do it. If something is just trying to mess with me, By ignoring it, they often get bored and move on to something or someone else. So typically I have a cooling off period where I will not interact with anything. I will not call out. I will not tell anything to stop. I will not even focus on it because as soon as you focus on it, especially if it is a spirit that's trying to mess with you a little bit, you'll often find that it makes it worse. So I just sat there and I put the TV on. And the minute I put the TV on and there's now other sound in the house, it completely stops. And it's not even that it completely stops because I couldn't hear it anymore. It's more that as the TV was playing, it just like phased out, almost as though they went, oh, she's not listening. (laughs) She's not paying any attention to us. But then when I paused the TV again and I sat and I read for another five, 10 minutes, slowly it starts coming down my kitchen again towards me. And then I put the TV on again and it continues for a while and then it fades out and it disappears and I do it again. And again, and it was very strange, but because I didn't actively acknowledge them, I was simply watching TV for a bit, reading for a bit, watching TV for a bit, reading for a bit. It seems to have gone away a little bit. Now, if it does come back, then it does come back and I will deal with that as and when. But this is definitely a time in the year where you will likely start noticing spirit encounters really increasing dramatically. A lot of people truly believe that Samhain and Beltane, these being two festivals that many people will celebrate during the Wheel of the Year. Samhain is also known as All Hallows' Eve or Halloween. It's primarily celebrated on the 31st of October, though some will also celebrate it on the 1st of November. And then you have Beltane, which is celebrated on the 1st of May. Some people will celebrate it at the very end of April. Some people will celebrate it at the very start of May, whatever works best for people. These two festivals are what are primarily 
commonly known as very high spirit activity festivals. It's essentially the time where the veil between our world and the other world, where spirits and ancestors reside, is very thin. So during Samhain, you'll often find people leaving out candles and they will leave out meals and offerings to ancestors who have passed over. And you'll often find people creating jack-o'-lanterns with a candle inside. These are often used to guide spirits to their final resting place. And it's also believed that these are used to scare off unwanted spirits. During Beltane is often a time of fertility and abundance, love, prosperity, and it's very closely connected with the trooping fae and the idea of fairies passing through the land. Now, these aren't the only two spirit-based festivals that there are. They're the most well-known and they're the two that most people will focus on. But within my own personal experience, I have found there to actually be three. You have Samhain, you have Beltane, and then you also have the summer solstice. And I find especially between Beltane and the summer solstice. So that is from the 1st of May-ish through to the 21st of June ish, depending on the year that this is occurring in, tends to be very high spirit activity. And that's really the phase of the year that we're in right now. So just bear in mind that you might be experiencing a lot more spirit activity now than you would at other times of the year. And also depending on where you are, you'll often find that your spike in spirit activity is going to vary across the year. So for some people, Samhain is when they experience the most spirit activity. For them, it's where the most spiritual upset happens. It's where most spirit encounters occur, whereas for other people it might be Beltane, or for others it might be the summer solstice. I found that it very much varies where you live, and especially depending on the type of spirits that might reside within your particular area, you might find that at different times of the year it is amplified. And during this time, you might find that your own energies and your own senses are heightened as well. Now, I'm not entirely sure why this happens, but I have noticed that readings and the noticing of things that are significant happens a lot more for me when spirit activity increases. And so for me, I'll often find that there is this connection between an increase in spirit activity and an awareness of my own psychic abilities. Now, this might be because we're sensing things around us. And if we are sensing things around us, suddenly we are more heightened. We are more aware of things. We pay more attention. Similar to a predator-prey type scenario here. This is not me saying that spirits are out to get you, but there's definitely this sense of when there is something hiding just beyond your sight, when there is something just outside of your energy field, you definitely become more heightened. You become more aware to it. And I have noticed recently a lot of things have come a lot easier for me and a lot of things have become more heightened. Now for me, one of these things has been very, very strange dreams. And I have noticed time and time and time again, every year around this time, I start getting bizarre dreams, especially after Beltane. It is just the season of weirdness inside my head. And so I'm starting to notice more and more dreams that are definitely things I need to focus on and that have meaning and significance to them. And it might be that you're experiencing these things as well. So if you aren't used to documenting your dreams or if you aren't able to remember your dreams, it could be a really good time to start doing a dream journal or a dream diary. This is essentially where you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you do is note down the things that you remember from your dreams. Many people like to say that they don't dream, but the reality is is that they simply don't remember their dreams. 
We can allow ourselves to remember dreams more easily by noting down the things that we do remember as soon as we wake up, even vague feelings, vague sensations, a color, a theme, an emotion. It's going to start very small with the things that you remember. But when you start acknowledging your dreams, your brain then takes more time to remember them and store it into memory, which allows us to then recall our dreams at a later point and pick out any signs, symbols, meanings, or emotions that we might need to work on from our dreams. For instance, most of my dreams at the moment are a little bit emotionally unsteady. And that's because I am not dealing with the emotional unsteadiness that I'm feeling in my day-to-day life. And because I'm not dealing and processing with that during my waking life, my brain keeps reminding me of it during my sleeping life. And you'll often find this will be true. If there's something in your life that needs focusing on, that needs working on, or you need your attention driven towards it, it will likely start appearing in your dreams. And so it can be really useful, especially during times like we're experiencing right now, to really focus on trying to remember and document your dreams so that you can better recall them and use them as a springboard to really start sorting things out in your life and heading towards the direction that you're after. Now, you don't have to do anything fancy with dream journals. You don't even need a physical book and pen. I simply use my notes app on my phone. I also find that when I wake up, the last thing I want to do is open my eyes and focus on writing. So instead, I will use the dictation setting on my phone and I will just talk at it. Whatever I can remember, whatever feelings, colors, shapes, animals, people, whatever it might be, I will put it all verbally into a little notebook. It doesn't have to be cohesive. That's the thing with dreams. Your dreams are gonna change a lot anyway. They're gonna seem really random. It doesn't matter what happened at what point and do a chronological order. The main thing is getting the bulk information down. So who you were with, the emotions that you were feeling, the topic that it covered, the people that were there, the animals that you saw, the colors, the smells, the sounds. These things are all significant. It's our brain piecing things together in a way that sort of makes sense. If we break it all apart again and we look at the component parts and then look at it all together, it allows us to really break apart our dreams. So for me, dreams have become a little bit strange. And also I've been doing a lot more readings recently. And I've really been focusing in on trying to better myself by listening to myself. And for me, I find using tarot cards incredibly useful, but by golly, has it been a while since I last did any readings and my memory of some of the cards is basically gone. So this is your monthly reminder for me that you do not need to be perfect at everything that you are doing. I know that people on social media make it look so easy. They can just reel off the responses from tarot cards, easy peasy, left, right and center. They don't even have to think about it but it's a lot if that is not your day-to-day job. If you're struggling to remember every meaning of a tarot card, please don't beat yourself up about it. It is something that simply happens, especially if you have a job and you have a family or you struggle with memory. Like I do, I often find that I can beat myself up about not being as smooth and as perfect as these people we see on social media, but we have to remember They are the 1%. We have to be a little easy on ourselves because trying to memorize 78 cards is bad enough, but trying to then do readings with it and remember it quickly, it's difficult. And I am definitely struggling with it. So I'm getting back into my cards again. I'm trying to really focus on my intuition because I find that I get far better readings when I focus on my intuition than when I'm simply trying to remember parrot fashion, the meaning of the cards. And that then leads me into the last mini topic of this podcast episode, and that is 
being empathetic with yourself and also recognizing the difference between being empathetic and being empathic. Now, being empathetic with yourself is really important, especially within the magical and spiritual community. When social media is as popular as it is, and it appears like everyone around you has their magical practice sorted 100% of the time, it's important to not beat yourself up if you don't feel the same way. It's important to remember that just because you see it on social media doesn't mean that it's real. The people out there in the spiritual community might look put together all of the time, but I can almost guarantee that they are not like that in real life. While you might see a perfect ritual or a perfect instant quick tarot reading, I can guarantee that behind the scenes it isn't always so rosy. There's definitely going to be times when they feel like they don't belong in the community. There's going to be times where they make mistakes, where they don't see results, where they get a reading wrong. And it's really important, especially when you have platforms like this with YouTube and Instagram and TikTok so readily available that we don't beat ourselves up about it and we are empathetic to ourselves. We need to recognize when things are a problem. We need to recognize flaws. Toxic positivity gets us absolutely nowhere, but also there's no benefit in beating yourself up because you don't look, act, or practice the same way as everyone else. But I think it's also really important to remember the differences between being empathetic and empathic. Now, this is a topic that I've been wanting to do a video on for a really long time. It's a little bit of a strange segue. It's not really that related to what I was just talking about, but we're gonna touch on it anyway. Recently, I've noticed that the magical community has had a big focus on empathy. This magical skill that some people will have and some people will develop that allows you to sense and feel other people's emotions. But I've also noticed a lot of people getting confused as to what empathy is and how it might feel if you were to experience it. Now, it's important to remember here that empathy means two different things to two different communities. In the magical community, it is the ability to feel someone's emotions as though they are your own. But outside of the magical community, it's used to describe a way that we can understand someone else's emotions based on how we have experienced them in the past, which is what makes being empathetic and being empathic very different. And I found a lot of people get very confused between the two, mainly because they both sound so similar. So let's talk about the differences really briefly. If you are empathetic, it means that you can understand how someone feels. Someone is crying in front of you because they just broke up with their significant other. And because you have experienced that in the past, you're able to understand how it feels. You know what they're experiencing because you've experienced it in the past yourself. You are relating their emotions to your own, connecting them up so that you can in some way understand what they're experiencing. If you have empathy towards someone in this sense, it means that you can understand where they're coming from. You don't necessarily know exactly what they're feeling, but you have felt something similar yourself and so you can try and help and reassure them as best you can. If you are empathic, it isn't that you are understanding what they feel like because you've experienced something similar. It's that you are feeling exactly what they're feeling as though the emotions are your own. And it can be incredibly overwhelming. So when you walk into an office full of people, if you are empathetic, you will likely spot the individual that's crying and you'll understand maybe that they might be under a great deal of pressure. You might want to go over and reassure them. That's being empathetic. But when someone who's empathic walks into that office, it's a very different experience. They aren't pinpointing the person that's crying and connecting with them and their tears and their fear and their upset. 
Instead, they're feeling the emotions of everyone in that room as though they are their own. And that's why it becomes so overwhelming. Because not only are they feeling very unhappy and upset, like the person who's crying, they're also angry, like the guy who can't get the office printer to work. And they're stressed, like the guy who's cheating on his wife. They are feeling every emotion in that room simultaneously as though they are their own. Often the people with the stronger emotions will overlay more strongly onto you and it becomes incredibly difficult to exist within that space without becoming truly overwhelmed. This is the big difference between being empathetic and being empathic. I think a lot of people truly believe that it's a very positive thing and that it's something that they really want, but most of the people that I have ever spoken to who are empathic actually would rather not be empathic. I found it very, very difficult when I was in high school and college and university to actually deal with empathy. I've had to deal with it my entire life and it is truly overwhelming. It is a bombardment of other people's emotions to the point where sometimes you don't even know what you're feeling yourself. So for anyone who is watching or listening to this who does experience being overlaid by other people's emotions, some of the best advice I can give is to learn how to shield yourself. Now this is a technique where you are pushing out your energy to create a bubble of protection around you. Now I often like to refer to this as my sound deadened bubble. And essentially what this means for me is that instead of everyone's emotions interacting with me directly, they are hitting this bubble that I have around me. And inside it's just my own space. I am sat with my own emotions, my own feelings, everything that I'm feeling I know is myself. And I will keep that up while I'm in social situations. I used to use this a lot, especially when I was at college and university, when there were so many people around. I would sit with this up and it allowed me to know that the emotions that I was feeling were truly my own rather than being everyone else's around me. So if you can learn to shield, I would thoroughly recommend doing it, especially when you're out in public spaces. It is not a quick solution and it's something that you're definitely going to have to build your ability with over time. But I have found it to be unbelievably useful and I still use it to this day to the point where often I don't have that much problem with being empathic anymore because I do automatically as a default response when I leave my house, my shield goes up. But I do find, especially when I'm in my own home, if there are other people around me, I don't automatically put the shield up and so it can lead me to feeling a little bit all over the place. It is definitely not a one-size-fits-all solution, but I am hoping that those who do struggle with empathy in this way will find something that works for them. For me, this bubble technique really helped, but even to this day, there are still times where I do not have the energy to do that, where I forget to do it, where I'm in my own space and I don't think to do it when I really should. And I definitely do have days that are better than others. So just bear that in mind. But I do hope that any of you out there who are listening, who feel very connected to this subject, will find something that works for them. And if you are watching this on YouTube, or even as you're listening to this as a podcast, I hope that you maybe will think of something that could work for you. And if you have the ability to share that with other people, I would recommend that you do that. Because especially when I was younger and I was first learning about what being empathic meant, there wasn't that many options out there that I knew of that could help. So if you do have an option that could help someone else, feel free to put it in the comments, because I think it would massively help someone who is struggling and doesn't know what to do about it. 
And that leads us to the end of this episode. I hope that you did enjoy it. It's slightly different than what I would usually do, but I'm very interested in doing a few of these episodes going forwards, where we're simply touching on magical topics, spiritual topics, hauntings, witchcraft, that I have experienced and that I've undertaken in the last few weeks, few days, whatever it might be, just as a way to keep up with all of you out there while I'm filming and scripting the more intense episodes that are more focused on an education basis. You'll have to let me know if you do enjoy this. If you do, feel free to let me know on YouTube or on podcast platforms. I would really appreciate it. If you are listening to this, it is also available in video form on YouTube so that you can see what I look like. And it is also available on podcast platforms. If you would like to listen to this while you are working or gardening or while you are going about with your day-to-day activities, I know a lot of people do listen while they are cleaning. So I hope that you are having an effective clean today. That would be really good. I will leave the links to where you can find the podcast on different platforms down in the description box of whichever platform you're currently listening to this on. So with that being said, I hope that you will join me through the Blackthorn Arch again in the future for another episode. Until then, I hope you're all staying safe. Have a good day and I will talk to you soon. Bye!